0: I'm J-Mac. and I'm Jess, and you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Flat out like a lizard drinking.
1: Where did you get that from?
0: Oh, I thought you might know what that was. No,
1: I know, I know it. It's it's a common okay, Australianism. Okay, well,
0: <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay, well, that's kind of why I said it because I was watching. Now I forgot the show I was watching the other day, but it was on a show. And then it reminded me that Crocodile Dundee said that uh, in like the Crocodile Dundee movie. So then I thought, oh, it has to be probably an Australianism. It is, yeah. So I wanted to say it to you and you to explain it to the world.
1: So it's not something that I probably ever say, but it's something that I hear every now and then. It's very kind of, do you know the word okka? Ochre? is kind of like, it's kind of like bogan, kind of rednecky. I I don't know. It's, it's one of those okay. like real kind of good old guy kind of things to say i don't even know how to explain it's very like rural but yeah basically just means you've been busy so like someone's like oh how you doing you're like oh flat out like a lizard drinking
0: (laughs) okay busy for some reason i thought like it meant drunk or something but then that was kind of weird because like the lizard's drinking yeah no i'm I'm almost certain
1: it means busy i mean i could have it wrong
0: no now it makes total (laughs) sense that you said busy because like a lizard drinking is, is like a very tedious process because like they have like a tiny little tongue and they're true. pulling in like a water little water droplet at a time true <laughs> so that's that's a lot of work it seems like yeah in my mind
1: have you been flat out like a lizard drinking
0: oh uh yes yesterday yeah actually i kind of got back into the swing of things yesterday so yeah it was it was good prepping for the the l9 release so we're actually recording this you know just a few days before that just to get ahead so we we have normally we record like a week ahead but this one's this one's probably about 10 days ahead yeah
1: they release weeks a busy one because like there's always those little things that happen in the first week where once this thing's released onto all these different people's projects there's you know potential for little bugs or just improvements tweaks all that sort of stuff
0: yeah, there'll be feedback that comes in, and I like to be super quick with that. There'll be packages that get bumped and now support it, and maybe have a special step. So I like to be aware of those. Plus, there's also Larcon online, like the day afterwards, which I'd like to be able to kind of enjoy and watch yeah. that. So I just I don't need anything else on the list. Is the point? So yeah. so yeah, we're gonna record this a little bit early, um, but we but from the point of uh, our, our story about testing, it'll it'll it doesn't really matter.
1: True. So just quickly though, you mentioned yeah. packages and I saw you tweet the other day that you were sending out like 50 PRs to update packages for Laravel 9.
0: Yeah, I've been doing those like incrementally this time to kind of give them a little more oversight. Okay. Um, so you... ultimately there's probably about 300 that we upgrade
1: nice. and a lot of
0: them are collected from your can I upgrade Laravel.com yeah. little tool that you built.
1: I'm just wondering back. if my packages are on there because I would love them to be automatically upgraded. <laughs>
0: Probably. Um. The, again, I probably just haven't gotten down that list okay. yet. Like the ones I'm still working on now are like super core. Like some of them are even Laravel's like core things yeah, that are okay. getting like Laracasts, like the very like fundamental Laravel Collective. Like I'm still kind of in that category. Okay. Spasi already did all theirs by hand for whatever reason, which is funny because I kind of built this for Frake. Yeah. Like so I've been teasing him, but um. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, oh, we, we already did them by hand, like, you know, yesterday. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, could have automated that for you, but whatever. <laughs> and then we made some tweaks to that, too, to the point. Like, now a lot of packages use GitHub Actions, yep. right? So, like, we actually made it smarter not only to bump Composer in, in alignment with kind of their support policy, but it'll also now go in and look at their um, GitHub Actions and attempt to kind of tweak their matrix builds for, like, the new... Laravel versions and test versions and php versions so yeah so it's I like to think it's pretty handy and and that is really kind of honestly it's kind of the last frontier for shift is to make sure that on like day one you can actually go run the Laravel 9 shift and and you know be running the latest version of Laravel and you don't run into like was chicken egg problems where it's like okay Laravel was just released now every Laravel package author in the world go make your app ready
1: yeah yep.
0: like Laravel's done a really good job of that this time by like tagging a true nine you know nine release mm-hmm. and kind of aliasing the branches and so forth in a way where you know if you set your minimum dependency or minimum stability a little bit lower like you can you can actually say like carrot nine dot x and like start getting this stuff oh cool Whereas before, you know, used to maybe have to do dev master, like yeah. weird stuff. And it just, so it makes it a lot easier for packages to get ahead by saying, you know, caret 9.0 in their um, constraints and know that they're pulling in Laravel 9 now, the beta, yeah. but also the the real one after it's officially launched. Nice. So, yeah, I I'm really hopeful that, there'll be less kind of of those kind of support things saying, Oh, the shift worked great, but now I'm stuck on XYZ package, not being compatible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the PR I get so I can be lazy and not have to manually do it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it I'll probably fire another 50 off later. The ones from yesterday looked really good. In fact, several of them were like merged immediately. Like I think the layer cast ones were like merged immediately.
1: Awesome. So
0: anyway, cool
1: so we have ended on a cliffhanger last time
0: no more cliffhangers no more cliffhangers we're we're going to talk about the one
1: and as i said last time i hope it's not completely anticlimactic but it's really it's something we're just really excited about because when we use it it's better
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so just just to recap a a tiny bit Mm -hmm. um and, and 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 to your point like well you know we never really meant to like make it cliffhangers per se i just i just think we got to like a really good conversation about the different types of testing last time and i it wasn't worth trying to squeeze in like this thing the way that we changed it right like Mm -hmm. last time so now we get more you know we get another what 12 13 minutes here and we can still be in line with our 20-ish minute podcast yeah which i like the shorter podcasts, by the way
1: yeah me too they're good to listen to in the car
0: i'd listen to us so, anyway, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Why don't you continue on? So, we basically we're trying some things out, seeing what's stuck. We're trying some you things out, yeah. We're trying
1: to we're dealing with the whole issue of, um, you know, Shift is doing a lot of disk operations, calling out to Unix commands, all this sort of stuff. And we were previously mocking it all and lying to the mocking engine and all that sort of stuff, and the very spellchecky tests.
0: I thought it was cool that you said lying, like, like I said, even when I was editing our own podcast, it was just a really good like description i'd kind of i don't think i'd really heard that necessarily or it didn't click before okay of like when you're mocking something like you're you're in full control you're isolating that line of code and you are controlling the crap out of it so like in a way if you write that in a misleading way and then your implementation passes like it passes because you lied yeah. to your code about how it should work 100%. and then made it work that way like you, you operated off of that lie. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I've, it, it, it finally clicked when I was editing the episode and I thought that was kind of cool.
1: Nice. I've, I've had the same thing with, I do a lot of TypeScript lately and anytime I have to tell TypeScript what the type is, I'm like, I can lie here and TypeScript will believe the lie. So yeah, Yeah, it kills me. Anyway. Anyway. So the solution. Now you ended up building the actual solution. I did the proof of concept for this like file facade that would kind of allow us to control um, and inspect what was writ- read and written. And then you, yeah. this was kind of like in the Christmas break and then you went and um, built this whole kind of snapshot system and little yeah. test API around it. Um, do you want me to have a go at explaining it? I feel like you know it a lot better than I do because you built that part of it.
0: Well, yeah, let me let me kick us off. And then uh, you can talk about you know the usages of it yeah, and correct. how it was better since you said it was better. Um, Cause fun. then you got to use it and you were like, I was pretty stoked about it, but anyway, to, to let the cat out of the bag there, uh, we were saying we kind of switched to snapshot testing and I had seen this for years inside of like PHP unit inside of like, um, PHP code sniffer, uh, Spassi has like a snapshot testing library, um i think like underneath in test bench if you look kind of deep down in there they do some stuff not necessarily with snapshot testing but with snapshotting an application yeah. a laravel application underneath they actually like temp file system it and like all sorts of stuff underneath there mm-hmm. so i knew all of this was dancing around in the back of my head but it just felt so complicated right it felt like there's no way i'm going to be able to write all that like that's that's nuts yeah um but after seeing what you had done with that little file facade, even though it wasn't necessarily snapshotty per se, like it just kind of, it gave me hope. Like it it showed me, okay, there, there's light at the end of the tunnel of this. Let's, let's hack it around. Like it gave me some energy to like give it a try. Mm-hmm. And I think I just kind of wrote something up. Basically, um, we knew this API that we wanted, right? Like talking about like, you know, using pseudocode or comments or whatever and like write what you want before you go write this method, like the actual implementation, like where you're getting ready to use it, like write the API you want, write the method names yeah. and stuff. That, what do you want it to look like?
1: Programming by wishful thinking.
0: <laughs> exactly. Programming by wishful thinking. Like we just wanted, we knew what we wanted. We wanted to be able to say like set up a fake, you know, system mm-hmm. that like has these files And they point to these fixtures and run the code execute and then here's here's what it should have done it should have changed this file to this file done period that's what every freaking like shift task does it has input and it has output and those are the snapshots like this is what it looks like before and this is what it looks like after and if you went in and looked at our fixtures like all of them have that all of them are like you know fixture before fixture dot after and like we have hundreds of those in our fixture test. So we're already having all these fixtures, but we're having to like mock, you know, dozens, dozens of lines of code to get to a place where we can compare the after.
1: Yeah, one of the other cool things that it did for us is previously we'd have to set up everything as expectations cause we were mocking. Whereas yeah. this allowed us to actually just set up the world in a very small way and then actually do the assertions after we like run the shift or run the task. Yeah which feels always feels a lot better to me when you kind of arrange, act, assert, not like arrange all your expectations and then act and then that's it.
0: Yeah. It was the test structure before we said kind of last episode, but I mean, it was like 90% arrange and then like 2%, you know, act, which was basically just calling the task or whatever underneath and shift, do the work. And then sometimes honestly like there weren't even any legit assertions afterward because yeah. to your point, they were all like mocked expectations and if if the expectation wasn't met, that would be the the test failure. It would not be because there was an assertion beyond the expectation. So so really we just had like arrange and act. Yeah a lot of our tests were just arrange act and a range was huge. huge. like by far, I mean huge, yeah. so. Anyway, so what we wanted now was to really balance that back out. So really what we wanted was fake the project, execute the code, and then, you know, do a couple of assertions. And do some, like, simple assertions, like, this file changed.
1: Yeah. And we can kind of ask, say, which file we expected to change, and then this is the fixture for the, like, the after. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to say on, like, the snapshot side of things is... Previously when I've seen snapshot testing, I've seen it more for like front-end like UI stuff where you actually build the UI without a test and then once it's all working, you take a snapshot. So it then kind of records the output of that and saves that so that future tests will know when that output has changed and break. And I'm not a huge fan of that style of snapshot snapshot testing because it becomes quite brittle. For our case, we don't like get an automated snapshot. We build up the snapshot ourselves with what we want it to do. So we create our before and our after manually. I mean, what normally happens is we create a before with the code that we expect that is gonna be given to shift. And then we copy that file and then create an after version and kind of manually make the changes in there that we expect the shift is gonna change. So maybe it's renaming a method or whatever else. We can create those two files and wire that up and then we can still follow tdd with the snapshot test which is kind of the the key part for me was that we can then run that we'll see where it's failing and then go and actually implement the test
0: yeah in fairness like this the usage of snapshot testing like terminology here it we might be a little liberal with it like maybe we're not we, maybe we're not strictly snapshot testing but like we do have a snapshot of what we want before and then we have a, a snapshot of what we want after and we're and we're basically comparing those. We're not mocking anything anymore. So at a at a really higher level, like we've gotten more integration-y. We were very like unit testy before, where we controlled and isolated, you know, a very specific task and then we we controlled the environment that it lived in with all of these, you know, mocked expectations, right? Yeah. And to the Laravel point like or to the you know common term in the Laravel community like it was very spell checky it was like this line does this this line does this this line does this and then after you keep doing all that you get this yeah and now it's more like here's what an application would look like run the task and here's what i expect you to do and it's so smooth it's literally like it aligns so much better with the you know arrange act assert
1: yeah I think a pretty good example is like previously, shift often wants to find files containing like a regular expression. Mm -hmm. And so previously we'd have to say shift, we're expecting shift is going to call this like find files matching and pass this regex. And then in our test, we're saying, when it calls that, give it these files. And that's when we can lie to the engine. If we do a bad regex, we can still say, oh, you'll get these files, but in reality it won't. Whereas with this new way of doing it, once all the file like once we create the fake project it actually puts them in a directory and so that like search that grep the sorry the the regular expression search actually happens and actually yeah. finds that file on disk and so we know that it's like the syntax is correct for um you know the find command or whichever unix command we're using and to me that was yeah. one of the key things for it
0: So I tweeted the actual implementation of this because this this little trait that i added i added like an interacts with project trait Mm -hmm. is what we called it so if you're interacting with a project then you're actually going to create more or less a fake you know set of files or project on the system you know in this kind of snapshots folder in our test folder like we just created this little snapshots folder and we send it all the before fixtures and they actually get written to disk they're there Um, this little interacts trait does that. And I shared it on Twitter, but it's like, it's not even 40 lines. And like, it probably killed 40 lines of code in a single test case. Like, I think I even in that thread, like took a picture of the file diff, like, you know, where on GitHub, you kind of see like this many lines of code added, this many lines of code removed. And I mean, it was disproportionately like ridiculous. It was like senior developer moment. (laughs) where you removed way more lines of code than you added
1: yeah and like it removed all those lines of code and it increased the reliability of the testing drastically because it was testing a lot more of the system it caught some weird edge cases that we you know didn't know about and yeah like it just it blew my mind and the way that then you go and write tests with now the like the friction for writing tests has gone all the way down to you know completely manageable levels
0: (laughs) yeah like it's almost even a fun level and it It makes you think more about the project itself than like again those individual lines of code like we've kind of like leveled up our thought like it's, it's so much more like of a worldview now right like you're thinking about what the project looks like and what you're trying to change more of like Okay, it's gonna call files matching, you know, content and it's gonna use this regex and then I'm gonna give it back some of these files so I can manipulate those. Yeah. Like it you don't have to think so low like that now. Now you're thinking really, you know, big brain, really high stuff.
1: Yeah, the controller exists here, it has this contents in it, shift will now find it, make the change, and then the other part of this was all the like assertion helpers we added. So like assert file changes where we can then actually pass in the path like the virtual path, like app slash HTTP slash whatever, and then the path to the fixture, and it'll go and make sure that it matches. And if it doesn't, it's using PHP units, um, like a cert, um file. I can't remember what it is, but PHP units uh, file assertion, which now shows the nice diff of like exactly which lines yeah. weren't right, which is really handy when we're actually building them because we can see the specific line rather than having to like try and figure it out by looking at the whole file. And then... It wasn't really related to the snapshot stuff, but we also took the opportunity to improve our like comment assertion stuff as well, right? So yeah. Shift leaves comments on PRs, depending on what it finds or what it's changed. And yeah. the way we would capture and assert against those previously was it was just a lot of code. We would to do exactly
0: it. that. We would we would capture them with mockery exactly, and then yeah. later assert on them. So most of those tests again were like act or sorry, were like arrange and act. But the few times we did have assertions were normally around the comments yeah. and they were very like chunky. It was always the same. It was like it left an info comment with this text and and these references.
1: But it was like four lines of code to like fully pull the yeah. comment out and run all those It was always the it.
0: same four lines of code like everywhere. So so that was kind of the other side of this. Once we kind of had that that faking project bit work where we could pass in an array of like key value where the keys were the file names on the system and then the value of those were like references to the fixtures Mm -hmm. right that would set up the project and all that really did was loop over that array dump it into the snapshot folder under you know Mm -hmm. a little md5 you know hash that was unique for that test run Mm -hmm. and like that was it it was just again this code's on twitter if you want to check it out but that's all it did and so then we could execute, it would actually go, point to that directory, find everything it needed to actually legitimately run all of the shift code underneath, no mocking yeah. whatsoever. And then now we could actually do some assertions. So we built these file change assertions that made it easy to test like, okay, this file that's in that project now should look like the, you know, dot .after version mm-hmm. in our fixture. But... We went further to Jess's point. We were also saying things like, assert, you know, it left a warning comment kind of thing, yeah. right? Like, assert, it left an info comment. And here's some text that should have been in there. And, oh, yeah, it should have these references, too. And just that simple assertion, like, being able to name it, like, assert warning comment, you know, like, it was just, it was so much easier to, to kind of see that all that stuff was packed in. And it was it was readable to us. And it was took all of those same four or five lines of code everywhere else in the code and just like, you know, allowed us to collapse it into one pretty custom assertion.
1: Exactly, yeah. And the way, we, the way we assert on comments did change because now we don't have to mock the shift facade. Yeah. It actually does all the things it does. And one of the things is add comment. So now that actually happens and it puts that comment in that array of comments. So it made it a lot easier to capture the comment and yeah. see the comments after the fact rather than having to kind of, you know, expect what comments are gonna be thrown and like capture them ahead of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Before we would have mocked like add comment. (laughs) We would have had to either capture it or like put a closure in to say it should have been this type of comment. Yeah. Which was really ugly because that never when that failed it, you never got a good message like on what happened. But now it's like, nope, just let it actually, you know, track that comment and then we'll go pull it out later and make sure it's in there based on you know this stuff we're passing into the the assert method
1: yeah and then there's all the little the little convenience things like assert no comments because there's times where yeah no comments. based on a condition it shouldn't yeah. leave a comment
0: so the initial version was was really just the files changed and then a couple like comment assertions but the whole goal of this and the whole reason just to kind of step back to build this is because we had the time before Laravel 9, and we, we just kind of wanted – you especially wanted that, like, better testing, like, life, like, less friction, whatever. And I was totally with it, but I just kind of didn't see how we're going to get there at first. And as soon as you made just kind of a quick PR of, like, okay, well, here's an example of, of how we could push everything down to a file facade, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, okay, here we go, here we go.
1: And, yeah, so. like, once – once we had a taste of the good life, I think that's when some of the other assertions came in because it was like, yeah, all of a sudden it's like something's flicked in our brains where we were no longer going to live with stuff that wasn't feeling great. And it was fun to use the new testing layer because it was succinct to write. It was very declarative. And so, yeah, every opportunity now where it's like, oh, actually there's a, we could create a little, uh, you know, an assertion for that, that smooths out that whole process And being in that frame of mind of actually improving the system rather than just trying to get stuff done and living with the existing stuff. I kind of go through these cycles where, yeah, if I'm just trying to get stuff done, it's head down. You don't really have time to, you know, sort out some of those things, but it's definitely worth it.
0: That's really the underlying point here. And we also said this last episode, but like... You know your tests are code too like definitely make sure to give them an opportunity to be refactored to be evolved you know to be um cleaned up especially if they're painful don't you know don't wince at every little paper cut you know this to the point this probably took three or four years of just hardcore you know mocked testing in that old style before we finally did it and again if we probably didn't have that gap between release cycles like we did in 2021 like maybe we wouldn't have had time to do it and that that's okay that's the real world but I think you know we're so glad that we did now I mean level 9 the level 9 shift not only was probably the most tested but ironically it was probably the fastest to build yeah and there's a lot of stuff in here like I know the Laravel team's saying it's like a a maintenance release really just to align with Symphony 6 and stuff but there's there's actually a lot of stuff in here not only from Laravel 9 itself but for the fact that Laravel 8 was around for 15 months so there's such a diversity in what a Laravel application looks like. Like, did you already adopt anonymous migrations or did you not? Did you, you know, already um, start using some of these new methods that are in here and and even got renamed in line? I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, but to the point of the testing layer, like it, it really truly is because it made it so smooth and it was almost fun to write those tests using this new strategy to where we were adding more assertions it almost wasn't even about writing the automation for the Laravel 9 shift it was more like what other assertions can we add and oh (laughs) oh let's make this let's not pass in a fixture I just want to be able to pass in a string and it should be smart enough to write that to to the disk you know if I just want a real quick thing and I don't even want to go make a fixture file yeah if I just need like an empty php file or an empty composer file like you know you could just do all that in line line. and I think you had that idea and I mean it Once we implemented that, like it was even faster because then we weren't even making like fixtures really for simple stuff that just found a line out of Composer. Like, who cares? Just write a little JSON snippet in line and there you go.
1: Yeah. You know when you're like testing with Laravel itself, like all, like, you know how nice it is to test in Laravel, all the assertions they've created, you know, around asserting status codes and, you know, all those sorts of things. It's like, like HTTP fake all that stuff, the API, and that's really nice to use, really nice to test. And I feel like we finally took the time to make the the shift kind of specific parts also that nice to use.
0: That's a really good point to end on because, you know, all along from the beginning, and I, I say this in, in base code and base Laravel, like... Like, use what you know. Like, you know, as developers, we always get into that whole, like, oh, if you only have a hammer, everything's a nail. And and, and sure, I, I get the point of that statement as well. But that that doesn't mean that you always have to, like, write something in this, like, chaotic, different way just not to be the same, right? Yeah. Like, it's okay if you know, like, you know... A for each loop and you're more comfortable with that you could write a for each loop you don't have to push yourself to write this like super smooth collection pipeline like it just there's some things where a for each loop is still gonna be okay right and so you know kind of to the point like I knew Laravel when I wrote shift and you know so it has elements of Laravel inside of it it has the shift facade it has kind of a similar you know pipe filter kind of approach like yeah. inside of the tasks and engines like the paradigms within Laravel you can find and shift and we've just increased that to your point now with the testing layer now you basically say shift fake project here's here's the files and then we have these nice little assertions that we can also make just like Laravel's like fake queue, you know queue fake yeah. and then you know queue assert dispatched x same thing exactly yeah it feels just like that shift fake project assert file changed done
1: yeah it's awesome so yeah super smooth i I mean i don't imagine there'll be that many listeners out there that will be able to kind of apply this to their own stuff if they're using you know laravel and just the kind of already have that built-in testing layer but yeah it's a good reminder to reassess what pain points you're living with (laughs) Yeah. I
0: think that's the main approach. Yeah. Not everybody needs to go switch to snapshot testing. That's not really the point here. Um, You know, hopefully this gives you some ideas. If you're testing like really large projects or something like that, like definitely, you know, take some time, write your own custom assertions, you know, start there, see what helps. So I think, you know, the main point though is, yeah, like your tests are code to like, you know, if you're if you're living with pain in there, like take some time to make make that a little more frictionless, to make that a little more fun, and you'll probably see benefits of that. More, you're gonna write more tests. You know, you're you're gonna find more bugs because you're writing more tests. Yeah. So, and we'll we'll talk about some of the bugs we found. I think next episode in in shift because I I was kind of shocked. Yeah. So, shit, was that a cliffhanger?
1: No. Uh it's a new cliffhanger it's Uh, not it's not continuing the old cliffhanger so it's not the same cliff okay
0: sorry i did say no cliffhangers though so now i feel ah, bad but sorry about that i was just trying to let people know what we're going to talk about next yeah
1: it's not it's not it's a preview it's a you know it's a teaser (laughs) (laughs) all
0: right good stuff well next time then cool cool see ya
1: ya. show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 45